Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about me and my work as an intuitive guide and spiritual teacher at karenhager.com. Now then, what brings you joy? My guest today is Lisa McCourt, and she says joy is nothing more than living in full accordance with your truest inner being. You are joy at your core, she says. You came here as joy. So we'll be talking today about how do we free that joy. If we're joy at our core, how can we set that free? How can we experience that in every level of our lives? Are you ready to meet her? Lisa McCourt has taught spiritual and metaphysical tools for elevating personal vibration for more than 20 years. She's the author of many books about joy and love. Altogether, those books have sold more than 9 million copies. Lisa is the host of the Do Joy podcast, and she's the founder of the Joy School. There's so much to explore about Lisa and her work, so go, go, go to lisamccourt.com. Lisa, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I'm so excited to play with you. I adore you, as you know. It's a mutual adoration thing that we <laughs> that we have, that we have going on. But it won't be a very good conversation if we just adore each other. Like, oh, your eyes. Oh, you have the sweetest voice. Instead of that, we'll do we'll do like an interview thing. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll just okay. We'll pull it together. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering why, if we are joy at our core. And I believe that to be true. Why don't we feel joyful? What what uh, stops us or prevents us? What obstacles get in the way that kind of put that joy in prison for us? Mm. Yeah, no, you you nailed it when you called it obstacles. We we have this inner being, this essence, this soul. Some people are comfortable with that language. That every single human being walking the planet possesses. There's no, no big, uh, you know, shock there, no mystery, no controversy. We all possess a soul. That's what separates us from our meat suits. So it's obstacles, right? There are obstructions that we just accrue along the way on our journey that keep us from experiencing that part of us. So all of the joy school curriculum is about identifying, bringing those obstructions up into the light where we can suss them out. And really, once they're exposed, once they go from being beneath that, that consciousness waterline to up above the level of our our unconscious understanding where we can see them, they're really flimsy, and we can work with them and we can redesign the the filter of beliefs that's really creating our entire lives. This uh, starts super, super early when we're very young. Some experts believe it starts in the womb. Even we are just these fresh little new beings here in this wacky world. And we have this burning desire to understand how is it here? What is the meaning of this? Who am I? How do I fit into the bigger picture? What is love? What is power? What is man? What is woman? All of these questions get answered really, really early on before we have emotional maturity, before we have logic, when we're feeling extremely vulnerable to all these different forces and influences. And we come to these erroneous conclusions, we call them bucket beliefs in joy school. Mm -hmm. And then because of the way we're programmed with our confirmation bias and our negativity bias and all these vestiges of our reptilian brains that we humans are still carrying around, 
many, many, many of the conclusions that we come to are based in false information, but that becomes the filter through which we see the world, right? There's there's 400 billion bits of information to be absorbed at any given moment, according to Joe Dispenza, and our human minds are only evolved to process about 50 bits of information in any given moment logically. So what determines which 50 bits get to come into our consciousness and land as our framework for creating our reality and which of the billions get get just ignored and we can't see them is all about that really, really early framework that we develop. And that's where all of the obstructions are. How do those obstructions show up in our adult life? Because something that feels to me like something that's rooted so early, something that's so kind of pernicious and gets in there at the root, how does it show itself in our adult life where we might start to be aware, wait a minute, maybe this is a false belief. Maybe this is false information. Right. Well, there are different sort of ways that, that, that you can determine that. A lot of our beliefs, I I teach that there are three areas where we typically have fears in our lives. We have fears about ourselves, that we're basically not worthy. We're not showing up right. We're not being what we're supposed to be. Just beliefs about our own worthiness and lovability. Beliefs about other people. They're out to get me. They're not loving me. They're not seeing me. They're they're doing me harm somehow. And then just beliefs about the nature of the world itself being a scary and unpredictable place. So we, we kind of suss out where our fears are, where they primarily are. And we look at, like for, for all of our fears about ourselves, for instance, one of the, the taglines that came from a, a friend of mine, uh, two, two friends actually that, that coach together, he teaches, your soul doesn't think you suck. And we understand the, the the truth of that, right? Everybody can feel that. Like, yes, if I have a soul self, like a part of me that's connected to divine source energy, it doesn't think that I suck. So any belief that you catch yourself find, like feeling about yourself or anything out there that triggers any feeling of any version of your soul sucking, you know, that's not in alignment with your core's, your inner truth, your, your soul's truth, right? And, you know, there, there are similar sorts of protocols we can kind of look around and see Wherever there's something in our external reality that's not to our liking, it's a belief that put it there because we're always creating that external landscape with our internal landscape. So then we can kind of work the problem backwards without having to actually go into the childhood memories and to know exactly what was it that my mom said that caused me to form this belief. We don't really have to do that work. It can be useful at times to know exactly where the belief came from, but really we can look around at our lives and see what's going on to know what we've been believing that, that we were able to attract and create those circumstances. So you're talking about change that can happen at the present moment. At the time that I become aware of these beliefs, I can then start to take steps to untangle them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the key is when we, when we really get clear on how arbitrary this filter of beliefs is, how, how it got formed when we were so young and immature and and how how easily misconceptions get woven into our filter of beliefs that's when we can routinely question them so when we have one of these negative thoughts come up it, we're, we're not used to questioning our thoughts we identify with our thoughts we think our thoughts are us but when we get that little bit of distance from our thinking and when it makes sense to us to question our thoughts 
that's when we're authentically changing our belief system. It's different from doing positive thinking because positive thinking often, you know, when when you're telling yourself, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, what's probably underlying that is that you know that you're believing thoughts that aren't so happy, right? So your subconscious isn't an idiot. You can't just like trick it by, by saying certain things, no matter how many times you say them, right? So it's about authentically questioning the thoughts that we recognize are pulling down our vibration from what it's meant to be, because we understand that they got there in a, a really arbitrary fashion. I just heard you say it's about where our vibration is meant to be. That makes this feel better to me because instead of trying to somehow force myself to feel joyful so that I can achieve some way outside of me vibration that everyone else has that I didn't get to, instead of that, what I'm hearing you say is there's a natural place in which we experience joy and uncovering these beliefs and looking at our thinking and our choices helps gets us gets us back to that natural place. So is that right? I absolutely believe that. Yeah. We always say your cork wants to float, right? That's what corks do. Your soul, your essence, your core self, it wants to just be in bliss and joy and love all the time because it came from love. We came from love. We are love. That's what that's what this this energy that animates the meat suit is. It's just love. So once you move those little things out of the way, the, the cork's going to float. And that also might free me to experience joy my way mm-hmm. instead of an idea that there's some kind of weird pre-programmed kind of joy. I'm thinking of like brainwashed people smiling <laughs> exuberantly, yeah. like the terrifying kind of joy that isn't really joy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What you're saying is really kind of helping me think about this more as individual because there's that expectation, like it's another way you're screwing up. You're not being joyful enough. There's that expectation we put on ourselves that everyone else got it and we didn't. And, And to me, for me personally, as Karen, that's one of the biggest obstacles to joy because that's nonsense. Tell me about this again. So your obstacle to joy is that you feel like everybody else got the happy gene and you didn't? Um, Not so much about that. It's just that there's that kind of, there's a way of teaching that says, if you just do these three things, Ah. you'll be more joyful. Look, everyone else is joyful. See these people doing it. Here's a testimonial from so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Look, they're all, look how joyful they are. If you just wouldn't screw it up so much, Karen, you would be (laughs) joyful like them. But what I hear you saying, Lisa, is there's a natural place of resonance with who we are as souls, who we are in connection with spirit. And in that natural place of resonance, that's where our joy comes from. That, at least as, as I believe, that's a we have a unique blueprint. Our souls are unique. It Our expression won't be like anyone else's. And I was just saying that I find that tremendously freeing. I love how you express that. Yes. Agree 100%. Exactly. Um. That, those limits that we put on ourselves, can you say a little bit about what it would, what it would mean to live a joyful life? Will you live a joyful life? Does living a joyful life mean nothing ever goes wrong or you never have negative emotion? Like, what does it mean to live a joyful life? Right. Yeah, absolutely not. So we're, we're not going to suddenly not have the stuff of life happening around us. Of course, you know, we're all going to have the stuff of life happening around us all the time. And I actually, after, after a really 
good run for a decade or so where I had really very little drama in my life. The last few years, I've had quite a bit of drama. I've had horrible, um, uh, horrible family drama. I've had you know, problems uh, supporting my my beautiful transgender daughter in a world that is not kind to people as brave as she. And all through all of it, I've I've really been aware that the tools that I've been so blessed to to have learned in, in recent decades have, have allowed me to weather everything in a, a way that I never ever would have been capable of before. So yes, you're absolutely right about you know everyone's going to have a different different way that joy looks to them and part of that is external and that's usually one of the the first sort of exercises that we do with somebody you know coming into joy school is what what does joy look like for you if you had you know if you could just imagine right now that we've been doing this this journey for a year what would a year from now look like if you're if you was it was completely joyful mm -hmm. and they usually paint a pretty external picture. You know, they want their relationships and the jobs and the money and the accomplishments, all the things that we humans are programmed to want. And yet we, we always say we travel two paths in joy school, right? We, we travel an inner path and an external path. And the inner path is all about learning the, the art and the skill of being a joyful person, having your vibration elevated most of the time. And that's, of course, the much more important path. But because we're here in these human meat suits and we came here to do a human life, that's also about wanting stuff and getting it, you know, identifying things we want to create and creating it. So basically, mm -hmm. manifestation is the other path, not because having all those things in our external world is what's going to make us happy. It really doesn't. That's just this ever morphing, dangling carrot at the end of the stick, right? But it's it's about having that purpose and doing it and creating it is part of the fun of being here in this human body. So we we put aside, okay, here's what your external joyful landscape would look like. And then we look at the inner qualities of a joyful landscape. Ground is serenity, present moment awareness. There's a thing we call the namaste lens where you're able to look at people through that, you know, that that viewpoint of I'm just a soul looking at your beautiful soul, unwavering faith loving the questions, right? Getting over ourselves with our, our so, so, so human need to be right about everything, right? That's so programmed into us that that unless I'm right and I know what's what, then I'm out of control and bad things are gonna happen to me. We have to get let go of all of that because that need to be right is such a thief of joy. So there are a handful of, of inner qualities that, that we cultivate um, as that half of the journey as the, the inner landscape part of the journey. And that's really what's going to determine your joyful existence, not so much the the external, because stuff is still gonna show up to, you know, to try to throw you off course in the external. And, and joy isn't about just being happy all the time. It's about being so, so comfortable in your skin that you have this sense of rightness that you can embrace every emotion natural to us human creatures, right? Mm -hmm. You can be grieving and feel really a, a, a beautiful release and catharsis in your, in your grieving. Grief can be a, a really poignantly beautiful emotion where there's an undercurrent of joy. Anger can have an undercurrent of joy when it's pure and healthy and expressed properly and handled properly. And we're not trying to repress it and judge it and all these things that we, we do to contort our anger. So it's about developing a relationship with your emotions that is so allowing because you've you've centered yourself in that that vertical self we call it that that soul self 
that the whole gamut of emotions has an undercurrent of joy to them. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Lisa McCourt. She is the founder of Joy School. She is the host of the Do Joy podcast. She is the author of a new book coming out this year called Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And you can find out more about Lisa and everything she offers at lisamccourt.com. So that's Lisa, M-C-C-O-U-R-T, lisamccourt.com. As I was listening to you, I'm I'm feeling into, and it feels so good. There's a, there's a freedom in this idea of joy, a freedom of allowing myself to experience the emotions that I am experiencing without needing to take the joy out of them and without needing to assign value to that emotion or that encounter or that person or that opportunity that's based on those old beliefs. So do you believe that joy sets us free? Mm, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing, right? So mm-hmm. yes, accessing your joy can set you free. Accessing your freedom brings you joy. It's um, it's it, it comes down to this word that that a lot of people find kind of cringy because it's so overused and misunderstood. But it really is about self love, Karen, and I know you know this as well. And you know, it's it's not about the bubble baths and buying the shoes. It's about how we talk to ourselves and our minds all day long, and every one of us does it. We all talk to ourselves in our mind all day long. And being able to shift that dialogue, that relationship we have with the voice in our head, with the feelings that come up for us, being able to become the observer first so that we can understand what those relationships have been and clearly see them for what they are, call them out for what they are, and begin readjusting those relationships, that that leads to joy and freedom equally. Mm-hmm. Because we don't live in a bubble, our joyful existence is going to brush up against people who may be harsh, limiting, judgmental, or just unpleasant, or maybe they just took the last thing of coconut milk when it should have been ours, right? We're going to bump up against other people. What? How do you teach us to live joyfully as we come up against so many kind of um, bumpy, sticky obstacles from the outside world? Yeah, that's beautiful. So one of the chapters in the new book and one of the segments always in joy, joy trainings is um, doing some shadow work. We we recognize that where we have those judgments on others, whether they're in our immediate circle or people that we just encounter for the first time out there, it's always a valuable gift to look at where we're judging ourselves. And as we release our judgments of ourselves, as we work on that self-love piece, it gets harder and harder to judge others because when we understand that everything that's created our framework that feels so solid to us, right? Like we think we're looking out there at reality and we're seeing reality and objective reality is a freaking unicorn. There's like no (laughs) objective reality happening, right? My reality isn't your reality, isn't the guy down the street's reality. And when we realize that about ourselves and can kind of like marvel at that and laugh at that, we realize that's true for everybody we're encountering too. So the person who seems to be like so rude or selfish or whatever, A, in their, we have no idea what's going on over there in their reality. We're all just walking around with these completely different experiences of the world. And it's always an opportunity to look at, you know, that it's a 
it's a beautiful example to say, if we see somebody, maybe it's somebody that we work with that day after day, we're like, they're so selfish. All they care about is themselves or they don't do anything for anybody else. The, the superficial understanding of shadow work is that, well, if I'm judging them for being selfish, it must mean that I'm selfish. And that's not true at all. I'm the most altruistic, unselfish person on the planet. So shadow work is bullshit. Like there's no way this works. I say bullshit on your show. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> well, we're about to find out. No, we're still on. No, we're good. You can say it. But the deeper understanding is if I'm judging it over there, it means that I'm out of balance with that trait within myself. So often it's an opportunity to look at where am I being so judgmental of selfishness that I'm not taking care of myself in the proper way. I'm ignoring my own soul, my own needs, my own, what I want to do and say, because I'm judging selfishness so harshly here. So it's more about judgment of the trait. And when we can understand that, that it's always just showing us where we're out of balance, maybe this selfish person in your life is a valuable gift and strange wrapping paper from the universe that adores you, showing you where you need to learn to be a little more careful about setting your own boundaries and maintaining them. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of ways that we can use these gifts from these annoying people that we encounter to um, to really understand ourselves better. And when we can forgive the spots in ourselves, it automatically transfers onto forgiving others. There's a quote from Martin Shaw that I've had up over my desk here for, well, he wrote this just at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and it says, what needs to change? What kindness in us have we, so, what kindness in me have I so abandoned that I could seek relationship with? So what needs to change? What kindness in me have I so abandoned that I could seek relationship with? And for me, because I, when I am out of alignment, I am super harsh and judgmental. And I know that, and I see that in myself and it's a product of my upbringing, but it's also kind of a product of a, like a coping mechanism that I think I carry. That quote really touches me because that when I am judgmental like that, it is me abandoning a kind of a kindness in me, mm -hmm. not to let people get away with stuff or to like be, not be a pushover, but it, there's power in that kindness too, right? What kindness in me have I so abandoned that I need to come back and seek relationship with? And when I feel into your work about joy, it kind of feels like there's some similarity there. The places we abandoned, the joyful core that we ignored or that we thought wasn't ours, didn't belong to us, that is accessible. We are just seeking new, kinder relationship with it. Mm, I love that. That is so beautiful. And it's true when we're in relationship with someone and we're pointing our finger and saying, you're not giving me this, you're not giving me this, you're not giving me this. It's usually showing us where we're not giving it to ourselves. We're not giving ourselves the respect, the the attention, the care, whatever we're asking for from another is usually a, a place that, that we need to look at where we can do that for ourselves. Yeah. Um. You are the author of I Love You Stinky Face, mm -hmm. which which is um which I loved reading to my boys when they were little. They're great big stinky man children now. <laughs> um, but I loved reading that book to them when they were little because it it felt to me like it was mm, such a like funny, humorous, like good for kids. We can laugh and have bedtime jokes about this and roll around and make monster noises around this. A funny, clear 
true expression of how we can love each other truly no matter what the externals are. And I see that also as a as something that ties into our relationship with spirit and our relationship with joy. And I just wonder what you think of that. Oh, I love that. I love that. I had never thought of it in quite that way. So you're saying that the the mama role in the book is spirit saying mm-hmm. to us, however you come, whatever you are going through, whatever you're expressing, my love for you is constant and unconditional. That's beautiful peace. And, yeah. and that spirit always meets us where we are. So if you grew big, sharp teeth, my darling, I, as your mother or I, as spirit would, whatever that is, get you, I can't remember what it is, get you a bigger toothbrush, I think, (laughs) Um, right? With your big, sharp teeth, not just that we're loved as we are, but that spirit always meets us where we are. So yeah. that we we don't have to worry about living. It's kind of what I was saying before. We don't have to worry about living up to someone else's standards. We're always sort of rising to our own level and we're loved and we meet spirit there. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And that spirit aspect that's in us, that's 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 the relationship that we can develop where we really love ourselves in the same way that, that spirit does and the same way that mama loves stinky face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not so stinky after all, <laughs> either. Um, can you let the listeners know, tell us about Joy School, tell us how they can find you. You do a first Monday gathering as well. Can you tell us all the things, please? Thank you. Yes. So the website is my name, Lisa, M-C-C-O-U-R-T.com, lisamccourt.com. And um, I'm really excited about the book that's coming out, even though it's not going to be out for quite a while, because I think you said this is March, so this will be August, but I think it's up for pre-order already. (laughs) And it really is um, a, a my most recent clear encapsulation of all the work that we do in Joy School, the things that are offered through Joy School currently, and that changes all the time. So depending on when your listeners listen to this podcast, it could be different. But at this point, we have an ongoing community that meets weekly to practice the principles. And it's really all about taking the principles into our lives, right? We can get great aha moments, great openings, great pointers from a book or a podcast or a weekend retreat, but it's about taking it into our lives and coming back and sharing with our group mates how we brought this into our lives and then everybody sees how everybody else did it. That's what like causes the the vibration elevation to shift in a sustainable way. We call it the joy set point. We all have that spot of homeostasis where our joy comes to rest and it was trained into us at a really young age. And we're always going to have it bump up here and there and go down here and there, but it's going to just feel natural to have a certain level of joy. And the way to to permanently bump that joy set point up is to take all this stuff into our lives. So that's how Joy School is mostly structured around these weekly groups that meet. Um, We also have like an introduction to Joy School opportunity every month, the first Monday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I do those with my teaching partner, Intuitive Victoria Shaw, and she does spot readings during these sessions. And it's a really beautiful synergy. And that's, yeah, that's two hours every first Monday of the month from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can find information for that on the site as well. I think that's all I got going at the moment. Oh, oh, that's it. Oh, that's, that's not enough. There should be more. Um, no, if you're down in South Florida. I also have live events a lot. So I don't know how many people listening are, are down in South Florida, but check out the live events if you come. <laughs> um, 
that's that's beautiful that um idea of com- like joyful communities feels especially important now during a time when we are maybe more separated from ourselves and each other than we have been before where there's an energy of harshness and division the idea of joyful communities just really makes me feel wonderful yeah no it it's true it's it can really provide a lifeline i mean many of us even in the communities are blessed to have beautiful family relationships and friendships and partners and there are some in the the joy communities that um that they come every week that don't and really like depend on it as their lifeline because they just aren't finding that communion that understanding that love anywhere else lisa is there anything you'd like to leave us with something you want to be sure the listeners know oh my gosh you're such a beautiful interviewer i think we've I think we've touched on all the the biggies thank you for that invitation but i just adore you i adore what you do i so appreciate people out there just year after year and i know you've been doing this for so long just doing that piece to elevate the vibration i believe we're all here to do it and and everything that we do to help ourselves elevate our vibration it just ripples out it ripples out to our loved ones our next level beyond our loved ones, the kid making our deli sandwich, every single person we encounter, whether it's online or Zooms or in real life, when we are doing the work to elevate ourselves, we are sending that out and helping everybody else to to rise. So beautiful, beautiful world changer. I appreciate you so much and your work in the world. That is Lisa McCourt. She likes me. She really likes me. And I like her too. So you're probably going to be hearing more <laughs> from her on Out of the Fog. That's Lisa McCourt. Her new book that is coming out a little bit later this year is called Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. Please go ahead and check to see if that's on pre-order. Go to lisamccourt.com. That's Lisa, M-C-C-O-U-R-T.com to check out Joy School and check out the first Monday offerings. Check out all of that. And of course, you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private intuitive session with me there if you feel so inclined. And you can find me on Instagram if you're interested in the adventures of Maisie the dog and what puzzle I'm working on and what other madness and mayhem I'm, I'm bringing up in my life. I'm Fog City Psychic there on Instagram. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. <laughs>